0: over his puss. He would be barrel-shaped, coarse, grossly dishonest, and possessed of a low and snake-like view of the world. Flint was sure that Westminster would be mean. What manner of man would make a woman's tragic suicide an occasion for editorial wit? What manner of editor loaded his columns with endless flattery of the merchants who advertised on his pages? lauded his pitiless pitbull sheriff and courthouse cabal, and oozed contempt for those whose stations were humble. Flint was angry. Someone in the newspaper fraternity must rescue Silver City, and Flint, war veteran and tramp editor, appointed himself to perform the thankless task. He discovered the power of words back in the war, when he began writing a column called View from the Trenches for James Gordon Bennett's famous New York Herald. A foot-soldier's view of the stupidities and blunders of the men who led armies, it had sometimes made life a little easier for the men around him, winning a few comforts as humble as gloves and soap and vegetables and hospital cots and even blankets that didn't unravel in two weeks. By the time he was mustered out, he had become a crusader and dreamer. All very idealistic, he thought, but it didn't make any financial sense. He pulled aside on the muddy trace to let some big Murphy freight wagons pass. He needed to rest his mules, Grant and Sherman, a giant pair crossed on Percheron mares. His weary plugs faced a ten-mile grade ahead. Eventually they would drag Flint's wagon with its small rotary flatbed press, California case-boxes filled with fonts, other printing paraphernalia, and his personal things, into the fevered gulch in the San Juan Mountains, where an incredible bonanza of silver glance, a sulfide ore combined with Galena, had been discovered three years earlier. Sam Flint preferred to start weekly papers in places that had none, but this time he itched to do the world a favor. It appalled him that journalism contained more than a few Digby Westminsters, men who had crawled out from under some rock to represent the alleged conscience of their victimized community. Flint laughed at himself. There were more than a few who considered Flint himself a species akin to Digby, Westminster. Many a Frontier Town considered high-minded editors the brethren of rattlesnakes. Maybe Silver City would be like that. There was something to be said for a town getting the newspaper it deserved. If this brawling place enjoyed Westminster's condescending jokes about pathetic women, or his ridicule of working men, Then Flint would not survive long. But he was used to that. He'd started up weeklies in seven or eight places in a dozen years, never putting down roots. He rarely lasted long. Sometimes it was because the town defeated him. Once in a while he got bored after transforming a cow town into something almost civilized. More often it was because he grew restless— the itch upon him again to move along, and then he would sell out if he could, or shut down if he couldn't, pack up his wagon and hit the road. The big lean editor gave the mules twenty minutes, and then slapped his lines over their croupes. They lowered into their harnesses and tugged the creaking wagon forward, their tails mowing down flies, and their long mule ears rotating this way and that. With each mile, the mountains grew. To a son of Cincinnati, the western mountains were always a source of awe and visual delight. These had arid brown lower reaches, but dense green timber, often appearing black from a distance, crowded their upper slopes almost to the rocky escarpments that formed their rugged peaks, streaked with the first snows of fall. He had never been to western Colorado and he found its southern precincts almost as arid and rough as New Mexico, and with the same grand vistas. A traveler could see into tomorrow and drive into the week ahead, always with the same vast landscape in view.